This is an audio sermon recorded at Highway 71 Church of Christ in Alma, Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth. We would love for you to worship with us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at 1808 Highway 71 North in Alma, Arkansas. Well, it's good to have a chance to provide a lesson tonight. Thank you, Clint, for your, your prayer. Um, I don't consider myself one of our A-listers, but nonetheless, I get an opportunity to teach, and that's a that's a that's an honor. Uh, it's it certainly uh, is to be up here and to to share. There's a couple different things that inspired my lesson tonight, and I'll review those a little bit with you. And it's kind of multifaceted. Um, <clears throat> And it's, and it's a lesson that I, I think that really resounds in this congregation. I think overall this congregation is, really lines up with this. And, um, it was a conversation that I had with one of my sons this week. We we're sitting on the couch and, you know, it's summertime, you know, kind of school's out, you might say. And, uh, it's like, well, what are you gonna do with your time? You know? Um, you know, it's a great time to work. You know, summertime's work. I mean, I don't know about you, but when I was a kid and, and growing up, summertime between school was, you know, that was a time to kind of make hay. And uh, it's a great opportunity for our young people to learn skills and responsibility and, and just what the joy of working is. Even though it's hard, there's, there's satisfaction. And that's kind of what the lesson's about tonight. And so we were having that conversation, and I thought, you know, that, that's important thinking about work, you know, and, you know, I think as dads, um, it's good that our kids are tired at about nine o'clock at night, right? I mean, you know, if kids all wound up at 10 o'clock, it's like, uh, I need to do a little better job of scheduling your time, you know, and, um, and that's not negative because again, I think that it, it, it's very clear in this congregation that, we got a, we got a lot of people that work. You know, I think of the fuel team and the Dane, the things that Dane and Jordan Dancer do with our fuel and our young men. It's just amazing. It's just amazing what these young men are learning in terms of working. And I'm not ignoring the young ladies here. Uh, working is a good thing for everybody. You know, but I, I'm kind of targeting a little bit more talking to the men tonight. And I think of just the, the role of men uh, in our world today, particularly maybe in our country. And that's another aspect of this lesson that I, I want to kind of address. You know, when I talked about work with my son, it's like, you know, you want to work because it's not when you're 18 or when you're 21 or some magic age that all of a sudden you're like, hey, I got to be ready to take care of a family someday. If I'm going to get married, uh, I guess I'm going to have to take care of them and I'm going to need to work to do that. So I, I better learn how to do that. No, it starts like young, you know, chores, loading the dishwasher, uh, anything you can do, right? You just, it's a progressive learning. And so, um, and I'm kind of wired that way. I just am. So this is something that feels pretty comfortable to me to talk about, which is working. It's one of those things where, um, 
usually I'm around guys that like I can work the hardest, but that's not necessarily here, you know, because you guys can work hard. But that's just something that's just it's kind of been the way I'm wired. Now, not everybody's wired like that, and that's just fine. But that's kind of the way I'm wired. And I want my young men. I got seven of them. And I, I think the older ones are showing that that they can work hard and take care of their families. I want all my children to be prepared to work and to provide. And then it's what we're going to hopefully I'm going to cover tonight is just that's very biblical. That's very biblical. That's just not Derek because he's wired that way. That's the way God, I think, made us for a reason. Also, um, you know, Brian and Dwayne working with the young men and, and teaching them is extremely valuable in preparing them to be fathers and husbands, to be leaders in our family. You know, you don't flip a switch one day and, well, you, you know, you're prepared to be a deacon or you're prepared to be an elder. We're learning that very well. That takes a lot of work. And it's not too early to start. I want our young men thinking about those qualifications that we read in Titus and Timothy and saying, well, you know, what do I need to be doing now to kind of get prepared for that? It's the little things. It's, it's knowing the word. It's working hard and, and keeping a very good reputation. That's what some of the young, th the things that our young men can be doing right now. So I appreciate Brian and Dwayne teaching them and preparing them to be able to share the word, um, as they'll need to be able to do as they're older in their families and their communities, their churches. Well, this recently, um, kind of ma the, the, the topic of masculinity was also something that was on my mind and it kind of maybe melded into this message. And, uh, I read a, an interview, uh, recently in one of the news outlets and it was, uh, they quoted, it was an interview with Josh Hawley. You may be familiar with him. He's out of Missouri, Senator. And, um, he said, America needs stronger men. So I'm going to just read kind of an excerpt of that interview. But I think this, I think you'll identify with this. And again, this isn't a political statement. This is just where I think we are as a nation. He said, of all this, all things this country needs, stronger borders, better paying jobs, some basic safety on our streets. Above all, America needs stronger men. The left has spent decades running men down, blaming them from everything from climate change to patriarchy. They're wrong. Strong men aren't the problem. For America, stronger men, better men are the solution. He goes on to, <clears throat> he goes on to say, at bottom, this critique of men is rooted in a lie that men shouldn't be leaders, creators, and heroes, but just consumers looking out for themselves. The truth is opposite. We need men to step up. In the same breath that the left attacks traditional manhood, they attack traditional faith as well. That's no coincidence. Faith and manhood are linked because for centuries men have looked to faith, that is the Bible, to understand who they are and what they can be. In this time of turmoil, our ancient faith can guide us again. Beginning with Adam in the Garden of Eden, the Bible says men are tasked with bringing order to the world, transforming chaos into beauty, the wilderness into a garden. To perform that noble task, every man must form his character. He must shape his soul. The path to manhood is the path to virtue. Men are called to perform, to form the character of husbands and fathers, he says. They are changed 
charged to give themselves for others and humbly accept their own limits, just as Abraham devoted himself to his wife Sarah and trusted God's promise of a son to come. Men are called to the character of warriors and builders. They must battle evil and bring beauty out of chaos, just as Joshua challenged the monsters of Canaan and David laid the foundations for God's temple. So that's just an excerpt of that interview, but that, that kind of resounded with me. That kind of sparked in me this sense of where we are as a culture, and it's not coincidence that those things are kind of beat down. Um, Joseph said something to me recently. He said in, in society, he said the culture currently has it backwards. Masculinity in women is celebrated, and as is femininity in men. That is just the opposite of what it should be. Isn't it strange? I mean, that's what you see today. So this lesson is for our men and work and masculine. There's nothing wrong with masculine men. That doesn't mean every guy has to look and act like Chuck Norris or John Wayne. That, that's not what I'm talking about, okay? I'm talking about just godly men, young boys that want to grow up and be a good man to support his family, not just look out for a number one himself, but to think about how am I going to take care of people, whether I have a family of my own, whether I take care of my parents, whether I take care of my neighbors, whatever. But that idea that I want to be prepared skills-wise and I want to make a living so that I can give and help others. So that's what this lesson's about. And that's what work can provide in the education that work gives you and the earning power from it. And certainly, the fulfillment that oneself gets from it. That's very important, I think. That's a good thing. And that's what we're going to talk about, some scripture that supports that, that and reinforces that. So 1 Corinthians 16, 13, and 14 says, Be on alert. Stand firm in the faith. faith act like men. Be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. You know, there's nothing about that verse that contradicts anything I've said so far. Be on guard. Be alert. Stand firm in the face. Faith. Act like men. Be strong. I mean, that's, that's a man. That's a man's role. Let all that you do be done in love. That's a very important part of that verse. For a Christian man to provide for him and his family, that's a sacred duty. To neglect that obligation is to jeopardize one's soul and have eternal consequences that we will go over. Many males in society, even Christians, have problems not only when it comes to assuming their proper God-given roles, but also implementing them. And that's why I think it's just so important. We're so blessed to be raising up our boys in this congregation of people who are like-minded about wanting to raise up strong young men. To many men, their primary focuses, focus and their identity is in their work. When asked, what are you? They usually respond, I'm a carpenter, I'm a truck driver, a teacher. Since so much emphasis is placed on our vocation, we, have to, we, understand, we need to understand what the Bible teaches us. Because our identity, I mean, it's not all we do. I mean, work is important, but that's not our identity. You know, 
And we'll talk about, we don't want to overemphasize what we do as that's all I am. Work is honorable. From the beginning, work has been an integral part of the human situation. Genesis 2.15 tells us, Then the Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to cultivate and keep it. He was given responsibility to take care of things from the very beginning. 1 Thessalonians 4, 11 and 12 says, But we urge you, brethren, to excel still more and make it your ambition to lead a quiet life and attend to your own business and work with your hands, just as we commanded you so that you will behave properly towards outsiders and not be in any need. God views as disorderly every man who refuses to work and provide for his needs. Such a one is to be avoided by a Christian. And that's 2 Thessalonians 3, 16 through 13. I'll read that. It says, Now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from every brother who leads an unruly life and is not according to the tradition you received from us. Paul writes, For you yourselves know how long you ought to follow our example, because we did not act in an undisciplined manner among you, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it. But with labor and hardship, we kept working night and day, so that we would not be a burden to any of you. Not because we did not have the right to this, because they were providing a service, but in order to offer ourselves as a model for you, so that you would follow our example. You know, I think, I'm going to continue reading verse 10 here in a moment, but, you know, I know us dads, uh, it's more than what we do around the house. It's more than just getting something done, but it's an example of our willingness to do things to take care of our family. I know you guys, and it's not like you get home and you plop down on the couch and turn the TV on and have everybody running around waiting on you. I mean, there are times that we need to relax and rest. That's important. But it's also important that our children see us as part of taking care of our homes, taking care of our families, taking care of our, our wives. Our, that's important. And I'm, I think that's what Paul's kind of talking about here is he, he, he said, I, I could do this, but that, that's not the example I want to give to you all. For even when we were with you, we used to give you this order. If anyone is not willing to work, then he is not to eat either. For we hear that some among you are leading an undisciplined life, doing no work at all, but acting like busybodies. Now such persons we command and exhort in the Lord Jesus Christ to work in quiet fashion and eat their own bread. But as for you, brethren, do not grow weary of doing good. I don't know, that, those verses to me just really hit home with the way, and I believe with all of us, the way we want to train up our children to take responsibility for themselves. You know, they can't do everything for themselves right now. I don't expect my children to be able to grocery, go to the grocery store and pay for all the groceries that they're going to eat. That, that's not what it's about. But it's about understanding, being grateful, and, being, and seeing that and being prepared, saying, one day, that's, that's what I'm going to be able to do. You know, right now we're investing in their training and their education. The man who refuses to provide for his own 
is worse than an infidel or unbeliever. We learn from Scripture. 1 Timothy 5, 4 and 8 says, But if anyone does not provide for his own, especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So, you know, when, I, when we talk, about to, talk to our children about working, I mean, this is about preparing them. We do no favors, in my opinion. Again, this is my opinion. We do no favors in allowing, you know, you've, you've heard, and, you know, they're only going to be children once. Well, that's true, but that's the period where they are trained, you know, because we have a lot in our society today that they... They were only children once, and they kind of act that way still because they weren't trained during that period. And it's not, you know, it's not going to be a certain age you hit, and all of a sudden you get it. It's like, oh, I, you know, I mean, maybe you do if you're like on the street and you have nothing to eat, and you're like, ooh, I guess that's what dad meant when I needed to be able to have some skills. Christians are to be dedicated workers who labor with singleness of heart as unto the Lord and not as eye-pleasers of men. Ephesians 6, 5 through 8 says, Slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in sincerity of heart, as to Christ, not by way of eye service, as men-pleasers, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will render service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good thing each one of you does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether slave or free. We've been in work situations where we kind of feel like that role, you know, and, I, and again, I, that slave position, I think that's kind of like an indentured servant, you know, or somebody who's working for someone else. And I think maybe we felt like, man, that, that's me. I, I don't want to tolerate this anymore. Well, you know, do unto the Lord. You know, if that's what the mindset you have to have, that I'm going to do it the best I can. You know, I don't feel like I'm getting paid enough to give it my all. Well, do it unto the Lord, you know. Work is honorable only when that in which one labors is good. The world provides an abundance of immoral occupations from which a Christian must abstain. Ephesians 4.28 says, He who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor, performing with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with one who is in need. You know, that, that single verse takes you from, well, I'm just going to have enough to get by, and, you know, I'm going to take care of my needs. I want to buy my whatever. It's like, no, work is much beyond that. You know, I don't want to get, you know, Young men aren't getting married as early. You know, they're holding off in society today. Maybe that's part of it. We're like, I don't want to take care of anybody else. I don't want that responsibility. I mean, I pray that God, God's timing on the mates for all of our children, and I, I want our people to be thinking about who is it that they want to be attracted to or attract you know, it's like you're the behavior that you're displaying today going to attract the mate that you really want. You know, again, it's not too early to be thinking about that as our young men in terms of, you know, I think about myself and some of the behaviors that I had in high school and college. I am so blessed that 
that Janice didn't see me at Penn State. You know, because she'd been like, who's he think he is? I don't know. That wouldn't have been Mrs. Janice Goodland. But God has his timing. He knew. But be thinking about that, young people. Because we got some great, when I talk to the young men here, we got some great examples of good moms, loving wives. That's what you want. And so when you're working, you're not thinking about, well, I just got to take care of me. I don't need that much. I can live in a basement. Well, is that where you want to have your wife and kids? And be able to help others in your community? Right? You want to be able to make enough. God gives us all different talents and skills and blessings. You know? And we'll talk about the, the parable of the talents, right? But he didn't give that person with five, that got the five talents turned into ten for no reason because maybe that guy needed a bigger car. Right? But he, he, God gives us talents that we can then be able to use that talent to provide for more people. The wise man in the book of Ecclesiastes advised a man to learn to enjoy the fruit of labor and make your soul rejoice in work. I love this verse. Ecclesiastes 2.24, There is nothing better for a man than to eat and drink and tell himself that his labor is good. This also I have seen, that it is from the hand of God. I don't know about you, and I'm sure I'm, I'm, this is something I really enjoy, that when I'm tired at night, and I probably was just working in the yard, you know, or doing something like that, I don't know. But there's times when you're tired and you're just like, you know, you had a, you know, a good meal, and you, you had something to drink, you feel refreshed, but tired from your work, that's a good feeling. That is a good feeling. Don't let the world tell any of you young people that, oh, man, you want to avoid work at any cost. No. The best feelings you get is, are when you served, you worked hard, and now you have something that you can share because of what you earned. That's a good thing. That's from the hand of God. How about that? That's a good thing when it comes from the hand of God. Ecclesiastes 3.13 goes on and says, Moreover, that every man who eats and drinks sees good in all his labor. It is a gift from God. Again, it says that. Now, I will tell you, work can be abused. I would probably lean that way. You know, that would be my tilt. A Christian who takes a job, there's work. There is to work. Takes a job is there to work. Okay? Not to loaf around and tell jokes. You know, when you, when you show up to the job, you know, people know who you are. Oh, that's, you know, that's so-and-so. You know, I, he professes to be a Christian, and, man, he doesn't, he just kind of slacks around and, you know, complains or, you know, whatever. That, that's, not, that's not who you are as a worker. I love that song, I want to be a work for the Lord. You know, I mean, that, that's who you're representing. You're not there to court the secretaries. As it tells us about in 2 Timothy 3, 4, and 6, through 4 through 6. In his work, a Christian must not compromise the principles of Christ. He must be faithful in all things. And that's where the parable of the talents comes in from Matthew 
25, 14 through 30. Those two servants, that one received five talents, turn into ten, one received two, turn it into four, from Matthew 25, they were said to be good and faithful servants. That's what we want to be. Good and faithful servants. Doing the best we can with what God gave us. I am not nearly as smart as my boss, James Stein. That guy, he just, he's just brilliant. And we look at Elon Musk, right? You know, I mean, they're just brilliant people. And you're just like, man, that would be the five. You know, he's turning it into to ten. But does that stop us from taking our two or our one or whatever and doubling it? No. That's what we're to do. Whatever he gives us. Even the guy with one, right? What did he do? He buried it. He was not a good and faithful servant to what God gave him. Because he didn't get five, he should have done, you know? Well, I didn't get five, so I'm not going to do anything. No. No. I think we see jobs out there today that, you know, they may be not high-paying jobs or, you know, big title jobs, but it's good work. It's good, honest work. It needs to be done. Our country suffers when there's no one to do those jobs because somehow maybe, I don't know why, but because you're wondering, where are these people at, right? I mean, everybody says that in our industry. Where do people go? It's like where they convinced that they really don't need to give their one talent or their two talents or their ten talents. I don't know. He must always be adorning the doctrine of Christ by his life. Uh, Titus 2, 9 and 10 says, Urge bond servants, bond slaves, to be subject to their own masters in everything, to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, but showing all good faith so that they will adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior, in every respect. Adorning the doctrine of Christ by our life. Also, work can be abused with covetousness or greed. Must never be a Christian's motive for working. Again, I talk about where I lean, you know, I mean, well, you know, if I, if I do this extra job or whatever, I can get this whatever $100 sleeping bag, right? I mean, you don't know what coveting is until you're like, wow, that is a really sweet tent Dwayne has there. That's a really nice one, you know? But we all have that, whatever it is. But it's just, let's keep it, you know, that's not what we want to focus on. You know, we want to take care of our families. And it doesn't mean you can't have and enjoy nice things. That's not what it's about. But that should not be our main motivator because I just want to collect stuff. The example of the rich fool is what Scripture tells us in Luke 12, 13 through 21. Anytime you think about that, you think of bigger barns, right? When somebody says bigger barns, that's, oh, yeah, okay. We get it. He's building bigger barns for, I'm going to sit back, I'm going to build these bigger barns, I'm going to sit back, and I'm just going to cruise on out, you know? It's like, you fool. Then he said to them, be aware and be on guard against every form of greed. For not even when one has an abundance does his life consist of his possessions. It's in verse 15 there of Luke 12. 
And those who are minded to be rich fall into temptation in a snare in 1 Timothy 6, 6. Um, and also uh, and through in 17 through 19, I'll just read verses 10 and 11 in there. For the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil. And some by longing for it wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. But flee from these things, you man of God, and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. You know, the older I get, the more I think about, hey, what's enough? You know, I only have so many years left, right? I'm 53. And, um, you know, you know, a typical retirement age, 65, let's say. It's like, wow, that, you know, I may not have the will or the ability to do things if I think, well, I'm going to wait. You know, how, how much do I really need? What, how do I want to live? I'm, I don't, you know, we don't need to live extravagantly, you know? So what does that, what picture is that? And, and it's different for everybody. But the idea of, um, you know, just that's to me is where the rubber meets the road kind of thing. The thoughts you have about what, what's enough so that I can enjoy my family. I don't have to be, you know, piercing myself with grief and, you know, focusing on the wrong things. Matthew 6, uh, where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. The priorities of every Christian must be God's kingdom, his righteousness, and the things above. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Matthew 6.33. Set your mind on things above, Colossians 3. And life is more than food, the body more than clothing. So, you know, when we think about our work, that's the, that's a perspective. That's the balance that we strive for. We don't want fathers and husbands, uh, must, you know, never neglect their wives and children because of work. If your work interferes with these relationships, it's, you it could be, it's considered an abuse of work. And that doesn't mean sometimes, hey, I gotta work, you know, late tonight or whatever. That's not what we're talking about. It's just this, you know, I'm, I'm sure we have all maybe turned down opportunities that would have had us traveling more or doing extra work indefinitely. You know, sometimes we take on extra work for a period of time. And as a family, we, we decide on that. That's different than just, well, I'm going to be gone all the time because, you know, whatever. I guess I conclude with, you know, there's, there's an abuse of work in our society. On one hand, there are those who refuse to work and then expect the rest of society to take care of them. And on the other hand, there are workaholics that are so driven by their work that they neglect their wives, children, family, spiritual obligations. It's a balance. And I always talk about to my children, and I know you all do too, it's not about what you do as a career. It's just about, you know, just get the education that's going to give you the best options. You know, that if you want to do a float trip, maybe this job would provide for that a little easier than something else, you know. But it's just about, you know, the options you have. But there doesn't matter. You want it to be a good, godly job that you can take care of your family and feel good about the things you do.
Keep the proper perspective in your role of work. The first pro- priority, heaven and its, and its will must come first. Then obligations to our family, which cannot be neglected. Greed must be cast aside and balance must be sought. And it's not too young to be thinking about that. You know, some additional scripture that I think about when I think about working for the Lord. Um, Colossians 3, 23 through 24. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive an inheritance as your reward. Your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. And, you know, thinking that, hey, somehow I got a good get-rich-quick scheme. Uh, Proverbs 12, 11 says, Whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless pursuits lacks sense. You know? I mean, I'm all for a kid wanting to be a professional baseball player. Have a plan B. Because that's just a very narrow road. You know? Or, or something else. I mean, man, I would not discourage anybody from pursuing their dreams. But... You want to you wanna have a, a solid plan that you can fall back on and prepare for that. Not a last minute, ooh, i got to change gears because this isn't working out. Ecclesiastes 9.9, you're in your toil at which you toil under the sun. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. For there is no work or thought or knowledge or wisdom in Sheol to which you are going. That's my lesson for this evening. I hope you got some benefit from that and just thinking about work. Uh, Again, I'm so pleased to be part of a congregation here that values training up our young people. Um, Deacons and elders don't happen overnight. It starts at the very young age that we see these young men in here. And the wives that we have, it doesn't start at, well, when she graduates from college and she's going to turn on the, I'm going to be a good wife switch. It, it, starts, it starts now with our young ladies and the role models that our moms here are providing and our young ladies are providing. You know, I pray that... Uh, I think, I think I know everybody here. If there's anybody that uh, hasn't put on Christ in baptism, hasn't been buried with him to be raised anew, now is a wonderful time to do that. And if you need the prayers, we'd love to get around you and pray. You know, there's people we think about on the board you know, I think about people we've prayed for, and when they know that we're praying for them, how uplifting that is. We all need that from time to time. So if, don't hesitate to make it be known that you'd like the prayers of all of us here tonight. It'd be a wonderful opportunity for us to do that. We hope you have enjoyed this message recorded at Highway 71 Church of Christ. If you have questions concerning this message or would like to set up a study, please call 479-647-2655.
0758. May God bless you.